Hi guys, welcome to For the Love of Business podcast. Where we host honest conversations with the people behind the businesses you love. We think it's so important now more than ever to highlight what it takes to survive and thrive as an independent business. And highlight what it really takes to do what you love and love what you do. I'm your host, Carolyn. And I'm Cody. And this is For the Love of Business. Hey, everybody. We are here at Lovelink Kitchen. I am Cody Homan. And I'm Carolyn. And this is for the Love of Business podcast. We figured we would do a little bit of an introduction of why we decided to start the podcast, what we hope to do with the podcast, and a little bit of a background um, about both Carolyn and myself. Yeah, who we are, why we're awesome, why we hope you love the show, and all of the amazing guests that we're going to have hopefully enlighten you on why we do the things we do and um, some of the lessons we learned along the way and some of the inspiration that we get from um, some of the incredible people who we're lucky enough to to live on the North Fork with. Carol and I both ended up having an idea to start a podcast. Cody texted me like, hey, I have this idea and you're one of the first people I want to talk to. And I was like, funny thing, I had kind of an idea to do a podcast as well. So... I had uh, kicked around the idea with family and some close friends of starting a podcast to highlight businesses on the North Fork and delve a little bit deeper into what it is everybody does, not only on a day-to-day basis, but growing their business, the challenges they face, and figuring out how they overcome those those things that are presented to us, planned and unplanned in the business world. And uh, Carolyn and I had always had, had great conversations and... Uh, at, like she does with many other people in North Fork and, and we do at Bronze as well. So it's, it kind of just naturally came to be that we decided to join forces. Yeah. I, and I was so grateful because I also had the idea for a little while and it was just sort of living on my notes in my phone and on my computer. And I was like, do you want to do this together? And it was really motivating because then we had someone to hold each other accountable yeah. and here we are actually doing it, which feels so good because it's been really very fun. And, um, we do business together. I buy the freshest, most delicious fish from Bronze. Thank you. Yeah, and I eat here probably twice a week. Yes, thank you for that. <laughs> I'm Actually, have to it deliver. really is amazing. Um, Dinner and last it, night. It's such, I know that's so cool. You're <laughs> like delicious. one of the, the 30 people that I hear. <laughs> that came on so Halloween. Fun. But um, and it and it's such a driving force too. Is some of those conversations that you're saying really have helped me so much. The North Fork is just so special because um, there's so many just passionate, talented, committed people um, who work really, really hard. and They're proud of what they do. Thankfully, they are our friends and our neighbors and our customers and my vendors and yeah. how I build the menu. I like your working theory of what makes the North Fork so special is that all these businesses are local people behind them running it. And that's kind of what makes this community and the fabric of it so special. And I think it's going to be fun to dive behind the scenes of some of these businesses of the people that make them. Yeah go the way they go and what and makes for, them tick. And if for nothing else, just know that you're not alone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll just introduce ourselves. Cody, yeah. who are you? What do you do? I am Cody Homan. Uh, Braun Seafood is my family business. I am the third generation. Uh, as a brief background, my grandfather bought the business from George Braun in the 50s. And um, George Braun founded the company in 1928, uh, captained a charter boat. Um, which he would run out of Peconic Bay right here, and opened a little oyster shack, which is now where Bronze is. 
It always and, starts with those little unsuspecting yes, and oyster like shells. My grandmother would actually go stay with him in the summer because they were like family friends and stuff. So um, my grandfather grew up out here in Riverhead. His family had been here since the 1600s. He started working for Braun and then eventually bought the business from him. And at the time, they were basically just kind of an oyster bait shack selling bait to shark tournaments. And um, my dad remembers packing bait for like a penny a can for tournaments and stuff where we are now. Oh, gosh, that was that yeah. long ago. Your dad or your grandpa? Uh, my dad, yeah, in the 60s, 70s. So my grandparents kind of slowly grew it, especially around Peconic Bay Scallops. Um, the company continued to grow as we started to sell other markets, you know, Chicago, Boston, D.C. I didn't um, realize that you reached that far. I yeah, no, at the time right? it was mostly just Peconic Bay Scallops and um, some oysters as well. We would pack local oysters and slowly started to wholesale other restaurants. And then... Because there weren't even that many restaurants. No, All no. the restaurants were shacks themselves. Yes, exactly. Super seasonal. Generation. A couple local places. More selling other fish houses up and down the East Coast. So slowly they started to grow. Yeah, Peconic Bay Scallops really started to take off in the 70s. We built some freezers there to start to be able to freeze them because obviously you can only right. sell so many at one time. Now, were they... Were they Wild at the time, or yeah, no, all wild. Um, they, they're farmed now, or uh, still wild, but it's just okay. been a couple of bad years in a row okay. here. Yeah, um, I know it's hard. It seems like they're bouncing back, which is good, hopefully. But that original one of the original die-offs kind of forced us to diversify and start carrying other products, scallops from other places. And so, and the opportunity <laughs> slowly, yes, the story of uh, yeah. I'm sure that'll be a theme Had of to problems to, turning into opportunities. Yeah, exactly, and started carrying other products and. If you fast forward slowly with the emergence of the Hamptons as a destination for people in New York City to have second homes in, that really led to the expansion of our company along with um, my dad came there after college and um, him and my uncle and a couple other guys worked a lot harder than I think I ever will. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they really built it to what it is today and um, slowly expanded a l lobster room cutting room, processing room, more coolers. Yeah, slowly. The original oyster shack. Yes, Is the yes. oyster shack still uh, part of the Unfortunately, property? yeah, I mean, what was that part was the part that burned down in oh, 2019. No, that fire um, was devastating. Yes. Uh, so that we, you know, that was the oldest part of the building that ended up burning. So, but long story short, it, the company just kept growing, growing along with this whole area. Now we sell, I think it's over 700 restaurants and wow. fish markets and caterers and now are you still outside of new york as well or is it just kind no, of no no it's pretty much suffolk county so wow. like montauk to lindenhurst to huntington to um orient so, so that so that yeah. catalyst of the boom of the hamptons kept you guys yeah from, no and then really business here. you know my um my dad in the late eight, my dad took over in 1988 and then really started to grow the frozen oh. which kind of started to distinguish us and our frozen offerings ended up being able to because you really kind of have the, today it's the bigger food service companies like your Cisco's, U.S. Foods, DiCarlo. They carry some of the frozen products and a little bit of fresh um, seafood that, you know, salmon, mussels, things like that. Whereas and then you have other fish companies that we compete with that sell those fresh products. But we kind of pride ourselves on being able to do them both. Yeah. Um, as you know, which you get a lot of both yeah, things. Yeah, I know. It's a, very, <laughs> so, it's a very cool, very North Fork. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of our customers are our vendors and our vendors are our customers and friends. And Yes. You no. know, it's. I grew up. As soon as I turned 14, started working in our fish market, which um, really just used to be a little shack. And then my grandfather built it in 1988 or right around when my dad, they expanded to where the fish market is today. We opened what is now 
our restaurant in 2006, um, which just reopened last fall. Yeah, was that the first, was 2006 the first time you guys did the Yes, re- yeah, that was the first space? time, yeah, okay. um, for the restaurant. They have all three kind of silos, but we joke that everybody sees the fish market and the restaurant, but it's really, the iceberg is the wholesale, which interesting is what everyone knows the least about, but is frankly what makes the other two so good is because the fish is coming there all the time, three days a week from the city, every day right. locally. So I grew up there working when I was 14 through in the fish market and then eventually in the wholesale, helping to deliver on weekends locally, this and that. I they let ball. you drive the trucks even though you didn't? Have- no, I could, <laughs> you could drive the smaller one. You were 17. I could remember I could drive the Ford Ranger when I was a junior in high school when I got my license. I think I delivered the same day <laughs> to Shelter great. On, which I missed because I used to be able to nap on the ferry, um, <laughs> which I could definitely I'm, use nowadays. I'm definitely sure you could pull, yeah. pull off a nap right um, now on the ferry. And then basically... Started, I went to Boston College in Massachusetts, and I worked at Bronze every summer in the wholesale, helping do the sales route I do now. Oh, um, wow. And then delivering on the weekends and stuff, and getting in there early to help set the route up to get the trucks out to deliver. And did you like it as a kid? Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I was a little jealous of all my friends that were lifeguards and went to work at 10 o'clock and <laughs> got to sit by the pool all day, and I was in there at 6, slinging fish. <laughs> Slowly, you know, I eventually lived in New York City after I graduated and worked at a law firm for a while. Met my now wife in the interim between going to the city and moving in there. Realized I would be out here every weekend if, it, you know, I decided to. I remember I, my dad was definitely shocked. He didn't think it was going to happen when I told him that I wanted to come back. But I haven't regretted it for a minute. And That's you know, amazing. It's uh, been back now for like three and a half years. So, and Do I have a sales route now and stuff. So. I mean, I'm sure that time that you were away was really necessary yes, to yeah. see that it yeah. was something you wanted to do. Cause if you didn't yes. have that opportunity, you might've just kind of resented it. Maybe if you were yes. forced into it. Exactly. Because you were able to. It's very, it's a very good point. Cause I don't think when I was 22, I think I would have been either a little too jaded or wishing I saw what else was out there. You would have still been wishing you were on the beach. with Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Going out till 2am and everything else. But I had, since I had moved back, I had definitely gone to eat at Leveling Kitchen several times. Yeah. And I went back and I said, well, why aren't we selling them? And someone said, I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, well, I'm going to go in there because I think I can see how much stuff they use. I can see how busy they are. We should be selling them. So, yeah. Um, I, yeah, thanks. Yeah, it was, thanks for yeah, no, I'm glad really I did. We wouldn't out. be here, I guess. It's been a win-win. Yeah. Um, but that was definitely, um, I mean, I had never done sales work before. So those first couple months were a little bit of a, you definitely can't be shy and you kind of just have to, it's, it's kind of funny. You can just walk into like any kitchen if you look semi yeah, you just reputable. You could do a lot if you <laughs> just go confidently. Yes, in the direction it's a, that you want kitchens to are one of the few places on earth. Like, I don't think you can just walk into a New York City office and be like, "I'm going to talk to so and so." It's it's kind of funny how kitchens are just like open door policy. But <laughs> that's a very funny. It's a, point. it's so it's so I don't know why that is or how that ever came to be. But it's one of the best things about a kitchen. You, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's it's how true. many people get their start. Is yeah, kind of show up, just barging know? in. So <laughs> like, I'm here to sell you fish. It still to this day gets me excited on a Friday morning when we're crazy busy. I mean, I always tell people like a Friday mornings at bronze tea at the wholesale or like your Saturday night dinner service or yeah. for you like brunch on Saturdays yeah. or it's just, it's just mayhem, but being busy and like watching everything go out the door is kind of, yeah, I don't want to sound well, like I think, sentimental, but it, I think back to like what my grandpa used to do in his day and then what my dad did. And like, they only used to deliver like three days a week and would set it up the whole day before and leave it. And now to watch what it is today, it's, it's pretty cool. That is you know? amazing. And I do 
I really know what you mean because I think in order to um, be in any business, really, I think at the end of the day, we're all in sort of the same business, but you have to kind of love that energy. Yeah, yeah. And to. it's not easy and it's no. not, you know, always an organized kind of, no, I call it organized chaos, it is. but that, no, that's but exactly that, what it is. that beat, like that vibe, that yeah. vibration, I think is you have to kind of feed off of that because yeah. otherwise you'll just be like an anxious, yeah. overwhelmed mess. And um, I think also there's some, is, I think by Labor Day, we're all maybe ready to take a step back because <laughs> if it was year round, I don't know if we could handle it, but yeah. proving to yourself that you can do it. And also being the boss's son, I think you need to be able to prove to everyone else that you can do you it and not look harder, like right? you're, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to pretty much kind of show that you're not getting the special treatment and everything else. And I know my dad dealt with that a lot more than I ever did. Everybody's great now at Bronx. They don't, you know, I've never been. That's fantastic. Treated, but family you know, businesses. It's yeah, it's, for it's, sure. Of course. He definitely had a lot harder than I did in that respect, but, <laughs> but just be able to show it to yourself that you're there for a reason and to be able to, I think one of the favorite things I do is helping chefs, kind of curate their menu based on what they want as far as price points, quality, availability, seasonality. And it's kind of like solving a puzzle as far as what they want to work with, what goes well with what. I really appreciate the way that you are so flexible with the availability and you kind of let us know that morning what you guys have. And that is incredible for us because we change our dinner menu almost weekly. And that's just makes the quality of the dishes we have so right. much more stellar and the interconnected web of all yeah. the businesses out here and yeah, we're not the only fresh, local good. business that you buy from obviously and and we're in the same boat the local fishermen come to us this you know local farms we buy from everything else it's the same idea so enough about me though let's okay. hear all about you yes um i'm carolyn from leveling kitchen it was not really my intention to own a restaurant i wanted to be a travel food writer i went to school for journalism film and English, which is, yeah, which is really (laughs) useful right now (laughs) because God forbid I took a business class. I, my, I'm Italian. So my family was always very involved in food and family and, um, cooking and just gathering and being together. So I always gravitated towards that vibe, ended up doing a semester abroad in Rome when I was in, um, university. And I fell in love with the whole world of just traveling and no matter what like language you speak or what religion you believe in or where you're from you can kind of always connect over a meal and we did that a lot you know especially awesome. when things got yeah. lost in translation so I just really fell in love with this world of writing connecting with people through their history and their stories and their food maybe some wine and a lot of wine there was a lot of <laughs> wine involved yes of course that's where I studied abroad as well and it was definitely food and wine were always the highlights of any night oh my gosh yeah. that's so cool yeah I loved it and um, then I worked at Pominock Vineyards with the Masood family. And that really was a huge introduction to the world of wine, made, like cemented my love for what was going on in the North Fork, because yeah. I've just never been a part of something so incredible with these owner operated businesses and people just like rolling up their sleeves, literally with their hands in the dirt and just really creating something they were so proud of and so yeah. passionate about. Caring. yeah. That I was so attracted to that. So I um, ended up getting my sommelier certificate and the city. Um, what does that entail? That's awesome. Yeah. It, well, basically, you just read a lot about wine and <laughs> drink a lot of wine. And I if I can do it, you could do it. But I, I know it was it was actually really interesting because I really learned cool. a lot about the North Fork wine working at, at Pominock. But, the you know, obviously, there's a whole world of wine out there. So that course really 
made it so I could get more of a grand view. I ended up moving. I moved to LA for a little bit because my now husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, had moved to LA. And um, it was around that time that I got the call to manage Leveling Kitchen. They were looking for some upgrades to their wine program and they needed some management. And I had a lot of experience. I always worked in the restaurant industry since I was a kid, you know, like cleaning the bathrooms and changing the garbage and running food when I was 14, 15. I'm sure all those skills now have come in handy very much. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. I'm very good at taking out the garbage and cleaning the bathrooms. (laughs) And, um, I took them up on it because I thought, oh, I've never really managed a team before. I haven't really gotten too involved in the back of the house kind of operations. So when I started at Love Lane, I just, I really fell in love with it. I loved leading a team. I loved creating that space for people to share in a positive way because, you know, it, this has been increasingly changing, but the restaurant business was, you know, kind of had a bad rap. I worked for some questionable chefs when I was a kid, you know, and it was just not really that positive of a place to be, especially as a young girl, especially as a, I wasn't the only one, you know, it was just kind of accepted. And then that started to change. And I worked for some really professional chefs um, and really incredible managers then as I got older. And they really set the tone as to how completely unnecessary and unacceptable. Anything other than respect <laughs> should yeah. be Trust across me, I the still board. See it today. Yeah. I mean, it's and definitely trended in the right direction, but yeah, and the it way has my dad been. and the other guys talk about the way it used to be at the places we used to sell, definitely. It's so interesting. You are spot on. Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, of course, there's always room for it to improve, but of course, yeah. I loved being a part of kind of just changing that that script and that vibe was real because when you're yeah. treating people with respect, when you start kind of with your staff and with your workers, which I think is what kind of sets us apart, maybe not so much on the North Fork because there's so many positive places and there's so many badass bosses and there's right. so many people doing things in a really loving, caring, yeah. um, you know, compassionate way. But once you kind of get over that sort of just task oriented stuff, you get to really kind of have some fun because then you get to be creative and you get to, in, like evolve and yeah. color and outside yeah. the lines <laughs> and listen to each other's ideas and yeah. like try things out and just kind of approach things from sort of an experimental point of view and when everyone is has a space to listen to one another like that we've come up with some of our best ideas our best menu items our best cocktails our best schedules our best solutions have come from from listening to one another yeah. and it's it's just quite simple actually when you think of it that way well if it was that simple, then everyone would do it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. which isn't the case. I know it. It's that's true. That is. So, true. how did the tell us about the transition from you managing to now actually being the owner operator? Yeah, so th- I think I today. might still be the most surprised out of everyone with that transition because <laughs> that was like I said, it was not the plan at all to own a restaurant. But um, like I said, I just I really loved it, and um, the original owner of Loveland Kitchen who had so many great ideas and. You know, there's still some systems and still menu items and things that um, Mike had put in place that we're still using. And there's so much that worked, but he really just was very ambitious and took over another business. And things kind of started to get a little bit, how do I say this, tight. (laughs) And so um, you sort of saw that the trajectory of where things were going was kind of alarming. and, And honestly, people were kind of starting to sort of like, find other plans for themselves. And, um, you know, our chef moved along and our GM moved along and, and things were starting to get, you know, 
a little bit like where what's going to happen here and I just kind of like made an offer like out of kind of thin air because did you did you just decide this on your own did you have conversations with other people who encouraged you or (laughs) um that's a really good question yes I definitely had a few conversations with some important people in my life about it for sure I think the biggest conversation was with myself because like I I remember asking myself you know what will happen what's a world without Loveland Kitchen and I know it sounds so cheesy but that was kind of what it felt like would happen otherwise which may or may not be true, but that's what it felt like at the time. Well, Ten years later, I'm selfishly glad it's still there. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. And so it was kind of like a little bit of a Hail Mary pass because I, I really was worried about the future of the restaurant. And I, and then I was like, wait, well, maybe I, maybe I can be that person. Maybe I can be the one. The rest is, is sort of history. Well, I think you're downplaying a little bit, but that's a pretty, <laughs> that's a pretty impressive thing to do and have the, you have to have, you know, confidence in yourself and your vision and also just believe in yourself and what you want to do. Owning and running a business is having confidence in yourself while also knowing that you're going to like royally screw up, (laughs) but just doing it anyway. And I can't really sit here and say I've done the same things that you have. My dad and the guys that have built the business with him because they've all kind of got it to where it is and I've just kind of stepped back in. So I can't say I've climbed the mountain or... <laughs> yeah, but you were smart enough to listen to right, but who it's, came uh, before you and what works yeah, and it's impressive where can you, it be and, and it's good too because, you know, I came in with some new ideas and it's good to sit down as a team and be like, all right, well, we've tried that before. It doesn't work. We don't have enough labor to do this. Like, you can't be all things to all people. Like, you obviously want to grow the brand stay true to our values of, you know, quality service and the best stuff that we can possibly put forward. But we try to continue to grow. It's also, you know, choosing the avenues and also the areas we want to grow in, you know, yeah. and, and the ones that make sense for us, not just trying to, like I said, do everything and yeah, grow I mean, in every direction. Saying no sometimes is, is a really smart thing too. I There's more than one way to measure success and it's not necessarily having another location. Yes, I'm sure you've gotten the, why don't you open a lovely kitchen somewhere else? Oh my gosh, so many. (laughs) And listen, never say never. Yes. Sometimes, you know, things change. Why don't you guys put a fish market up west or here or there? I said, well, if you find me the 15 people that need to work there to do it, I'd love to. Yeah, Exactly. You know, it's really nice to finally feel like you have a little bit of that balance for creativity because when you're just taking it to the face, which listen, it, it... Sometimes I call it like the season of sacrifice. That's kind of my thing. Or yeah, yeah, you know what? It's a seasonal business. You're not going to necessarily have the best balance in August. (laughs) And Carolyn, August is very different than like May and October and November, Carolyn. No, it's true. I mean, for us, the winter, especially on my eye route, but you know, the business does obviously slow down in the wintertime. But it's almost rejuvenating away because it almost gets not so slow, but you have so much time in your hands. You start thinking, okay, how can we improve? How can we do this differently? And, you know, what do we want to do better next year? And then by the time the spring rolls around, you're so full of energy and excitement about what the season's going to bring, you know. That's cyclical. And then, you know, like you said, once you get into the summertime, yeah. by, you know, August 17th, I'm counting on this to Labor Day. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, my and now and we're I, back to enjoying Fred ourselves. And I just you know? went to, we went to South Hill Social for dessert uh, last week and saw Iris. Welcome there. Hi, Iris, if you're listening, because you cracked me up. And I have to like quote her because it's so funny. She was like, so August is psychological warfare, huh? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we just cracked up. Like, it I really couldn't is, though. have said it better yeah. myself. Um, it really is. And of course, I wish, you know, I, I guess if I could have it my way, it wouldn't be so dead in the winter yeah. and it wouldn't be so crazy yeah. in the summer. But that's just not how it is. That's yeah. just not the business we're in. That's the not the area we're yeah. in. So we're hoping to, I guess maybe we should get into the, 
goals of the podcast, yes. which is to definitely talk with local North Fork business owners, proprietors, workers, et cetera, people behind the scenes, whether that you know or don't know, and the challenges they face, how they deal with seasonality, how they deal with staffing, how they deal with everything that comes with running a business. And like you said, why we do it. Yeah. And kind of just what makes you tick and what's worked for you and some wins, some losses, maybe some advice that you'd have for someone who wants to start their own business, what you would tell your younger self. And then also just that, that inspiration behind living out here and being a part of this incredible community and um, sharing that with, with our listeners. And I think it'll be good too, because I'm excited to talk to there's some businesses that have been around forever out here and there's some that have just started or people that just, you know, like have just started in the last few years yeah. and, to, and the different stages of where they're at and, and where they are in the process. Yeah. I think hopefully it'll be helpful to people listening if you're in the business world or even in general, just yeah. like how you go about your day to day. If you're a patron. Yes. Fantastic. Um, to learn more about what it is we all do. And like I said, hopefully take something away that. Yeah. How you they can do learn it. Learn and share with others. How they do it and why. That's the that's <laughs> the, the best one. <laughs> why? <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to tell a friend and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Get in touch on Instagram at for the love of business podcast. Our email is for the love of business podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Cody. And I'm Carolyn, and this was for the love of business. Our salesmen are most on the road five or six days a week, so we kind of like to keep our finger on the pulse of if they're not buying something from us, where are they getting it from? Is, are they beating us on price? Is it a quality issue? What you know? What is it? So you guys just sit in the back in the parking lot and watch other who <laughs> just lurk, surveil. <laughs> <laughs> That's our whole business strategy. Just crack, crack it. Uh, the ten years I've been married uh, felt like it went a lot faster than the 10 years that I've owned Lovely Kitchen, but I'm glad it's not the other way well, around. I hope your husband's <laughs> listening to this because that's a good, that's yeah. a good sign. Yeah.